Okay. Three, two, one, and we're live. Welcome to another episode of Hot Coffee Consulting. I'm joined today by James Sandoval of Measure Match. Welcome, James. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm delighted to be here, Miles. Thanks a lot. I'm delighted to have you here. Today, we're going to talk about something that we've not yet really discussed on Hot Coffee Consulting, which is the people element behind mm. uh, digital data management, software management, and um, cloud enterprise solutions. Uh, and that's exactly what Measure Match is all about. And so why don't we start by you, James, giving us a bit of a rundown on the business, how it started, what you guys are all about. Cool. Yeah, uh, for sure. So uh, it's a bit of a story. I'll try to be concise. Um, so, so Measure Match, for all intents and purposes, is, a, is an on-demand professional services marketplace platform. And that's a bit of a word salad. Um, to break that down. You can also bit. say that it's a kind of freelance marketplace, and we'll explain what that means more precisely. But it's essentially a, a platform that enables the buying and selling of services, specifically uh, enterprise marketing, commerce, customer experience, systems and related data management, data engineering, and data science services. So clients will say, hey, I need someone to help me to maybe revamp our Adobe Analytics or to deploy segment or to help us to understand which customer data platform to select and to deploy that and perhaps integrate that with other systems, um, build dashboards, a whole range of things. But it's really solving for marketing, commerce, and customer experience business needs. It's very system-centric, mm -hmm. very enterprise-oriented, and it's all professional services. It just happens to be that the service providers, the independent consultants and consultancies on our platform, and it's 2,500 across 60 countries currently, um, are accessible directly, um, effectively on demand, and can be booked into contracts in our platform. Um, we do the payment processing, and there's a ratings and re review process at the very end. So it's a lot like kind of an Airbnb or an Uber kind of an experience, but elevated into something all you know that's professional. Um, and we're you know we're working really hard to make that that customer experience in our software incredibly seamless, which is very hard. Um, because as you can imagine, the buying and selling of professional services is very nuanced, right? Very nuanced. And uh, so we need to build for and accommodate those nuances in the platform. And arguably, we're, we're really not even close. Um, what we have is something that works pretty well today, but we have an enormous and phenomenal roadmap for that. Um, but where it came from is, um, is me. You know, I'm, I'm the, the originator of this. So it was about three years ago when I dreamt up this idea of building a place where marketing leaders, commerce leaders, analytics leaders, product, HR, agencies, agencies represent about half of our revenue today and probably continue to be an important part of our business. Um, they need a place to go to easily and really quickly find trusted extra pairs of hands to do systems and data work. And, uh, and it's off the back of my experience using systems like, like Upwork mm -hmm. and Fiverr. And you mentioned people per hour a moment ago. Those are awesome businesses. Um, and so we're, you know, we're kind of a, similar to them in a lot of ways, but working really hard to be very differentiated in, in the professional services niches, I guess, the, the kind of categories that we're focusing on, which is, again, systems and data, marketing, commerce, and customer experience. And you were saying when you came up with that idea then, you saw just a gap in the market where these types of resources weren't necessarily being provided at scale or it wasn't flexible enough for people to access that kind of resource. 
is that the need that you're trying to solve for? Yeah, so it, it is. And it comes from uh, 10 years, nearly 20, if you kind of pack it all in. So I did 10 years of digital media planning and buying work um, across a number of different agencies. I started in Seattle with an agency called Avenue Way, which became Avenue Way Razorfish and mm-hmm. now Sapien Razorfish or some, some, some version of that. Um, and uh, just even during that time, between 90, 1999 and 2009, roughly, um, it was clear that clients never really had enough resource to do the systems and data work that they really needed to get done to advance any number of initiatives or capabilities or strategies, really, pro- proper business strategies. And so they, of course, turned to agencies for that. And that, that still wasn't enough. We didn't have enough resource internally to really properly service our clients in a lot of cases. So that was um, that's where it started. But then I went to work with Kara Interactive, Definity, Isobar, Neo at Ogilvy. I did 10 years across those agencies and saw the same thing for 10 years. Um, but also saw the opportunities for clients and for agencies to get that stuff right when they have the right people in place to execute. Um, and those people aren't necessarily required to be in the team full time. Mm-hmm. Um, they just need to be roped in as and when needed, right? So part of what we're solving for with the platform is to enable brands and agencies to re- really operate a fixed plus variable ca- you know, human capital management model um, a lot better than ever before. So maybe 80% or 70% of a team is FTE full-time, supported, cultivated talent in the team, and the other remainder is is contingent. It's just pulled in as and when necessary, and that happens already in a lot of businesses, but it's pretty ad hoc. It's very inefficient. Um, it's high risk, and so our platform helps to solve for those things. So, um, I mean, that's a really interesting point that you just raised. Do you think that the fundamental structure in terms of the way in which teams are built and the way in which teams operate now uh, in today's world will shift to being that model where you have a certain percentage, uh, a reduced percentage of, let's just call them uh, full-time employees, and then a certain percentage where the resource is more flexible, more tactical? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's part of a broader trend or evolution in just, I think, our general expectations and how we just live in the world, right? So if you think about how much is on demand for us today, whether it's media services or food delivery or whatever the case may be, um, that will only continue to be um, more more part of our day-to-day consumer lives. Um, Professionally, that has yet to really begin. Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly have access to more tools more readily, um, free and low cost and you know, globally distributed, a lot of them out of Silicon Valley in terms of you know, the world that we live in professionally. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, that balance in terms of how people provide services um, out of businesses is going to change similarly. So more of it's going to become you know, on demand in the way that resources are brought in and deployed, um, turned on and kind of turned off. That's that's a that's a reality that we're all beginning to I think see and w- and we're beginning to deliver on that through our platform. That I think certainly follows uh, and aligns well to my own personal experience mm. and the experience of the businesses cool. uh, that I've been working in over the past several years. A lot of that I guess historically would have been 
handled by um, you know so-called outsourcing, and, and everybody has this idea in their mind where you know they have a team based in London, and then they also have this backfill support or this operational support that's maybe based out in Mumbai. Uh, is that sure. is, is that in any way aligned to the types of models or structures that you're putting in place? Is it similar in a sense to outsourcing, you know, with respect to teams that maybe, you know, exist mm. uh, geographically separate to the, the team that's actually running the project or how does it align generally speaking? It's, so it's similar, right? So um, it won't be anytime soon that businesses change the way they operate like you just descri- described. There may be um, a, a team, um, a strategic support team in India or some other part of the world. Um, there will be a roster of, of um, relationships that can be brought into the business in some way, shape, or form, probably through, you know, probably very ad hoc, not necessarily very well structured. Um, there will be lots of business relationships that can help to deliver, you know, our platform will be part of that. Mm-hmm. The, diff- the kind of difference is that we're building the software to manage the process in such a way so that it is highly efficient, highly accountable, um, and accountability with that comes trust. Um, very data-driven, right? So the more use of our platform and all the network effects that play out um, mean that we get a lot smarter for every participant, whether you're a consultant looking for work and locking in contracts and providing those services or like in, in, in one case, we have something called service packages on our platform. They're, they're written by and published by the independent consultants and consultancies on our platform, and they're basically ads. They're free, mm-hmm. they're one-pagers, they describe services that can be provided you know, to uh, uh, deploy a CDP, or do some Google Analytics work, or do some Amazon uh, data pipeline work, or a whole range of things, about $2 million worth of these service packages for clients to view and to book into contracts. So those are growing every day. Um, the more of that contribution, the more clients who come on board, we're about to open the doors for technology vendors to participate in our marketplace too. Okay. That's going to get really fascinating. So it's becoming an, you know, an enterprise ecosystem of participation. And with that comes enormous volumes of information of, about needs and desires and execution and value. Um, and, and with that, we can help to create much more value for each of the players in the platform. And so how do you... that's different than the way that businesses would currently experience, I think, the way that they deploy resources. Yeah. yeah. And how do you manage the supply of that resource? And I guess within that question, mm-hmm. there's a couple of different points. One, we've already mentioned the fact that this resource is, generally speaking, very scarce. So how do you mm-hmm. first and foremost get scalable access to these types of people uh what's the composition in terms of individuals versus uh, you mentioned independent agencies or consultancies Uh, and then how do you manage or what responsibility do you take for the quality control in terms of those uh, suppliers uh, those partners that currently have access to your platform and can sell through your platform go there three questions i hope I, i get them all so i'll start with the last one um so our terms are, are crystal clear for those who read them um, in that the quality of service delivery is strictly between buyer and seller. So we're, we're a matchmaking platform for okay. intents purposes. So we don't take a position, right? So we enable uh, buyers and sellers to meet, 
to negotiate, to communicate, to contract. Um, and you know, our role is to ensure that it's an amazing match uh, between buyer and seller. Um, and and we, we, pay, we process payments a lot like the other, you know, consumer marketplaces that are service marketplaces that are out there. So we don't take a position. It's really between the buyers and the sellers. Mm -hmm. um, the composition of the marketplace on the supply side um, is like 70-30, 70% independent solopreneurs. So these are individual consultants um, that have probably done five, 10 plus years of corporate work and now want the flexibility to be able to work from anywhere. I mean, we have I've never heard that term before, solopreneur. Uh, solo yeah. So, yeah. And I, I like it a lot because it, it, I think it really clarifies or it helps to make clear that independent consultants aren't, are entrepreneurial. They're, they're striking out on their own. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of risk in that. And, um, and so we rec certainly recognize that and we want to be you know, a really helpful partner for them to be successful. And like, for example, we have this one superstar a consultant on the platform who's starting to hire his own team because of the success he's realizing through our platform. And um, so now he's no longer a solopreneur. He's a consultancy because he's got team members and they're, and he's beginning to grow. So, so that solopreneur entrepreneurial, you know, dynamic is really, really cool. So 70% in independent individuals, 30% um, small to midsize. And in some case, large and we're getting some signals that some very large consultants and agencies want to participate on the supply side mm -hmm. because of the kinds of clients that we're attracting on the demand side. So they're, they're not insignificant brands and agencies, which we now have to kind of balance because agencies probably don't want to service other agencies. So it's fine. We'll, uh, we'll figure that out. Um, and the way that we are, we're attracting on the supply side is perhaps surprisingly not because we've done anything. Because we've not actually actively recruited yet. So we get applications every day. We screen them. We look mm -hmm. for what are the most relevant and clearly um, right for the platform consultants and consultancies. And then we invite them into an interview. We have a call. So we do lots of calls okay. uh, to ensure that it's, you know, it's clear how we, how we operate and what we're trying to do. Um, gather some ideas, further ideas on how we can improve the platform and so on and so forth. And then we green light and onboard if, if in fact they meet all the criteria. So what we look for mostly is just great communication skills and a demonstration of capabilities. You mentioned earlier that there's quite a lot of nuance in uh, some of the types of work that are currently uh, being referenced within your platform. Uh, so how do you guys go about the process of uh, codifying and templatizing uh, some of this work that could be, you know, month-long projects or even mm. longer that have a number of different variables and, and many different streams of, uh, of activity? Good, good question. I, I, I won't even begin to, to suggest that we have that nailed yet. We, we don't. But we, we have, um, we've got a pretty, a very well-defined process that's improving all the, all the time so that, again, these, you know, let's say a head of marketing or head of e-commerce who comes in to lead something can can in fact communicate in the right kind of way and structure a contract in a way that is clear. Mm -hmm. So that that can happen now. Um, we're, we're you know we're also tapping into you know, there's plenty of data out there and um, uh, you know for example you know Scott Brinker and, and the Chief Martech blog published annually 
the the uh, the marketing technology landscape that super graphic right which is phenomenal and it, and up up until relatively recently um or well, relatively recently the last couple of years it, it's been accommodated it's, it's been accompanied by a spreadsheet with a list of all the sure. systems right so that's extremely helpful that helps us to understand what the names of systems are out there mm-hmm. um and and there are a bunch of other data sets that we're turning to as well there's some third, a couple of third-party uh, data services that we tap into that are going to power a new development that we're going to be announcing pretty soon called Technographic Match. Okay. Um, and if anyone who's listening to this wants to check it out, uh, please do. Technographic Match is going to be pretty awesome. It's it'll start simply, but we've got some huge plans for it. But essentially, what it will enable is for clients to see, to be recommended by us, independent consultants and consultancies that are directly aligned to their businesses because we know their technographic profile. So we know which systems they have deployed across their website and in their businesses too. That may sound crazy, Mm -hmm. but it's possible. So, um, and it's because thankfully in the profiles of the consultants consultancies we have, they list the systems and other skills that they have uh, that helps us to, to make a match between, you know, what clients are using to operate their marketing and commerce and other so you could almost be predictive in the sense of understanding what kind of technology and capability a particular brand has deployed and offering people the opportunity to make proactive recommendations about servicing and supporting those types of technology that's very uh, very interesting yeah so with that that's kind of where we're going We're, we're entertaining those ideas right now again it's pretty simple um but we think it has some pretty awesome legs to get into some very interesting territory for very substantive strategic recommendations for talent to execute in certain areas immediately. So talk to me a little bit about your uh, your personal and your professional mm. journey. The business is uh, three or four years old now? Three uh, years from an idea. Yeah, three years from an idea, two and a half years from the beginning of, of, of the development of the platform. And, um, and we've been in revenue for about 13 months. And you now... Uh, available across 60 different markets you said and so how's that grown how's it developed how many people do you employ now and so there are 10 of us in the team uh, that's comprised of really five of us in london and we have a a team of five developers that are working remotely Mm -hmm. Um, and we're hiring so we just um, in fact got an acceptance yesterday from a new sales guy we have another salesperson we're bringing on board hopefully we'll get an acceptance today we're really excited about that um yeah, so we're, we're just now beginning to get into a phase of growth. We did some testing in the early part of this year, the first sales and marketing we've ever done as a company. Um, we saw some nice productivity there, so our plan is to ramp up considerably and push for some kind, some degree of scale in 2020. Um, but, but maybe, I don't know if it's worth just reaching back a little bit further. Um, yeah. this, this does come from my time from you know, 10 years of digital media agency planning and buying work followed by 10 years of entrepreneurial work. So after I left Neo at Ogilvy the summer of 2008, right just before the financial crisis, I mean, I opened up my first company. It was a, a marketing technology reseller and consultancy business I called Invisua. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ran that for four years, partnered with some really cool technology companies to help them build some 
traction in the European market. You know, Ad Expose out of Seattle, which was acquired by Comscore, they did you know, ad viewability, brand safety management. Yep. Um, we partnered with a company called True Effect that did first party ad serving. I was a huge proponent of first party ad serving. Still think that there's a lot of opportunity there, but the industry says no. It, it appears, and uh, and then a signal oh, it used to be called Brightag. So um, I yeah I structured a six month engagement with the Brightag folks. So mm-hmm. Mark Kiven, former colleague of mine from when I used to work in Seattle at uh, Avenue A Quantive, and uh, and after that six months, he invited me and my colleague then Indra Nildata, who I think works in this building. He does yes yeah, and we yeah we jumped on board and and headed up the the initial growth of Signal Brightag initially, and then it rebranded to Signal about a year later across EMEA. Internal stayed there for much longer than I did, um, but that was um, that was really an insightful time. That time with with Signal to see all of the potential pipes of data that could come mm-hmm. out of a business and flow into many other systems. Right, well, it could be just to a database, or it flows into dashboards, or it's powering some kind of personalization initiative, or whatever the case may be. So that was that was awesome. I love that. Um, that, that really opened my eyes to the need for brands and agencies to step up their game, to weave in extra pairs of hands, to be able to execute and create real value from these systems, which require a lot of configuration work, a lot of integration work, and of course, value from the data that those systems collect, mm-hmm. which was only just rapidly growing. Yeah. So... After spending 10 years in the agency, did you always want to go out on your own and, and, mm. and set up your own business? Did you always have that entrepreneurial spirit? Not, you know, good question. Not really. Um, I'm, you know, I was thinking about this, in fact, on the way over here. I'm a bit of an accidental entrepreneur, I think, because my father was a career U.S. military guy, U.S. Air Force. Um, we, lived in, we lived in many places around the world, mostly in Europe, in fact. And mm-hmm. I think maybe the entrepreneurial bug comes from that, having changed schools often. Um, and that change is just in my DNA now. So, um, and you know, when I, 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 I changed a lot when I was in agency land for 10 years. I left each role within two years, typically. I was hungry to grow into something else. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something entrepreneurial there. Um, but taking the leap out of that 10 years across different agencies, it going independent, was, um, was not as scary as I thought it would be. It was really exciting. So, it, so it's, it, <clears throat> I guess it was always in there, but I still feel like an accidental entrepreneur. It's really interesting because um, just a couple of days ago, we were having a debate in the office about how long people typically stay in roles. Mm-hmm. And obviously within this industry, it's, it's a little, um, it's, it's a special case in many ways, but mm-hmm. it's rare to see people staying within a given role for mm-hmm. over a two-year period. You do yeah. see uh, quite a lot of movement uh, either across agencies or within agencies. Uh, I don't know whether or not that speaks to a, a larger trend in the way people are just engaging with their working life, but um, it certainly seems to be more transient. Yeah. It's um, It has to be because there's just so much change in the industry, right? There's so many new ways of working, new ways of communicating, new ways of, um, of being productive. Um, so it's kind of, I think it's, it's, uh, it's natural that there will be that kind of change. The hard part is for leadership and agencies and businesses to 
you know, to keep to keep people, you know, from from jumping from place to place, you know, because that kind of a commitment for the longer term in a given role is really valuable. Yeah, really valuable. Of course it is. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that's the interesting thing. Uh, going back to talking about how. Uh, teams will likely change in the future mm. and I absolutely agree in terms mm. of having uh, a more fixed base of resource uh, talent that's been incubated that's mm. been supported mm. uh, and then having a more variable more flexible resource that you can mm. uh, pull in on a tactical basis mm. but there is something to be said about the uh, the continuity uh, and the consistency of having a team in place over a significant period of time I think that's often what's lost in the agency environment mm. because of that very uh, quick uh, turnaround time uh, yeah. with resource with teams is that you lose sometimes the wealth of experience that's gathered over a number of absolutely. years. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity to uh, to solve for that. It's not going to happen anytime soon. But um, with the emergence of platforms like ours, I think that we can make a you know a small, if not really important contribution in, in the mid to long term. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the Foundry experience. You won oh, an award. Yeah. Uh, was it last year? Last September. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that because I, I read the story online and cool. it sounded a lot like Dragon's Den and I just wanted to know what the experience was like being part of that process and obviously going on to win that. Super exciting is is the short answer. Uh, we went to DMXGO with the view that you know, we had a, had a story to tell about what we're building and figured that was the right place to tell that story. And I've been attending DMXGO forever, I think, from pretty much the very beginning, with the exception of when it started, I think, in, in Dusseldorf or Hamburg, wherever that was initially. But always in Cologne is where I went. But uh, So we went, we submitted an application to participate in this competition, um, sponsored by the Unilever Foundry and DMXCO. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it was a bit of Dragon's Den. Well, was it Dragon's Den-like? It was a bit of a competition. So there, we had to pitch... Uh, um, you know, against a group of four other startups, while I think twelve other startups were also pitching, and then so there were winners out of each of these pods of four, yeah. and then four went into a final. And uh, you know, I, I'm I I'm I get really nervous on stage. I'm getting better, but I you don't I'm, seem like I'm the not, person that would get nervous I, on stage. I do, and so I was like. Grr. Did I did I did I get it right? Did I actually say the right <laughs> words? And uh, so so yeah, that kind of feeling, you know, right before our name is called as the winner is like phenomenal. Um, and uh, yeah, so we yeah, well, you know, I, we went and told our story. We had our I think our pitch down really really well. We have some amazing investors who help us too. Um, so we're backed by some pretty phenomenal names. A few that we can we can share, like you know, for example. Uh, Paul Frampton, who's former the former group CEO at Havas Media, is one of our investors. Mm-hmm. Craig Frenton, who's uh, Google's UK Chief Strategy Officer, Chief Operating Officer, he's one of our backers, um, and uh, you know, we, and we have some other pretty significant um, senior agency and technology investors from others from Google, Oracle, Integral Ad Science. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got the right kinds of backers who are helping us to. You know, to be be clear and focused about what we're doing. And how do you engage with those backers? Do you have them on hand to, to help and to consult and to advise? Do you meet on a quarterly basis? As a small business, as mm. a as a startup, which you may still consider yourself to be, uh, yeah. how do you uh, 
leverage that kind of support because it clearly is incredibly important to have the right people backing the business. Mm. But I just, you know, for the listeners to to understand a little bit about how that ecosystem works, mm. uh, probably not enough is is the answer in terms of how much we engage with our investors and advisors. Uh, in fact, at, at this point, I'm actually quite late in delivering a business update. <laughs> it's been flat out insane. Um, but um, but there are a few that are very active, and so they and, and it's which is great. So many of them are they're, they're very busy. They have their own day to day lives. They do what they do, and so um, they're just trusting that you know that me and my co-founder Tom and the team are executing in the way that we told them about the business. 6, 12, 18 months ago. So mm-hmm. some, some of them were you know, invested at the very, very beginning. Um, and uh, so, so they don't, I guess they don't really need to hear from us, and, but we're, we're going to be following up with something substantive relatively soon. But there's some that we talk to almost weekly, um, and that, that helps a lot. Okay, yeah. great. And um, in terms of some of the things that you're looking at, maybe later on in this year or, or mm. future facing, you've already mentioned the technographic capability that mm. we're bringing into the platform. Are there any other uh, new systems, processes, or capabilities that you're looking to introduce? Um, so technographic matches our next um, announcement. This is kind of a pre-announcement with you, uh, depending on when this gets published, of course. Um, vendor service hubs is another initiative. So that's that, that, that welcomes the participation of technology vendors into the marketplace, not to sell their products. Mm-hmm. We're not in that business. It's all about uh, access to services, which is vendors are going to play a role to validate and verify the credibility um, and service quality of ex- experts on the platform. Okay. It's going to be very, very cool. Um, so that's like a peer review process um, yeah. as opposed to those technology providers actually providing their own services. So. Just a really quick question on sure. that. So how do you prevent the potential for crowding out? So mm. uh, just as you were saying that, I was thinking, what happens if Adobe enter that marketplace mm. and 3,000 strong consultancy team decide that they're going to play really hard on your platform? Mm. Uh, does that pose a risk for you in terms of crowding out those independent consultants? And I don't know. Good question. It's uh, that That's... Um... That's a prognostication I can't make. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see what happens when we go down that road. Um, we have a lot to learn. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is. We'll, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of innovations, yeah, technographic match, the, the participation of technology vendors in the platform, um, those, those are the main ones. We've been, we've been working on those for each of those 18 months. Yeah, a long time. So they're only just beginning to surface now. Um, and but our focus is eighty percent on on growth. So the attraction of brands and agencies to come in, create an account, try, look around, um, submit a project brief, of course. Sure. And uh, and we'll do our you know do our magic or do our best. Great. Uh, and in terms of events and things that are coming uh, down the line for you guys, uh, other than the the Martech conference, are you guys out and about uh, any conferences, events that you want to. Oh, good question. I don't have those memorized. Yeah, no, the, the, the big one right now is uh, between the 27th of March and the 6th of April, we will be in and around San Francisco, the Valley. Um, we'll pop into Seattle for a day or two as well. Um, that is, yeah, to go 
meet with investors, prospective customers, technology partners, uh, investors. Uh, I already mentioned investors, some of our existing investors, and new prospective new investors too. So yeah. great. Yeah. Well, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, Measure Thank Match, you. revolutionizing yeah. uh, resource recruitment within data uh, technology and systems management. That's what we're trying to do. So thanks a lot.